0: I love being able to dedicate myself and to learn something that I know I will never truly master. I love the fact that I I learn something new every day. I get inspired by, by a dish that another chef has done or by a flavor combination that I've tried.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. talked about how the regions have really blossomed in the last decade to speak of and deliver a sense of place but with the global nature of food and Australia's reliance on the influence of migrants there are many cuisines that colour the countryside now too. Aaron Shemry is the head chef and co-owner of Kadota in Dalesford, Victoria. Aaron how are you? Fantastic
0: thank you how are you going?
1: Good. It's good to get you on the show. You're doing something pretty special uh, in the regions and making a name for yourself. What are things like out there at the moment?
0: Um, I think, look, after the last couple of years of COVID and everything that's happened, I think we've um, bounced back really well. There's a sense of excitement um, in the community for hospitality and new hospitality businesses. We've kind of gone past the the um, frightening times of COVID and we're kind of in the phase of rebuilding and looking looking towards the future. Tell us
1: a little bit about the region um, where the restaurant is and how you guys fit in amongst that.
0: Yeah, so we're located in um, just off the main street in Dalesford. Um, Dalesford and the Macedon region is is known for its food, its artisans, producers, farmers um, in the area. We've got obviously fantastic Fantastic hospitality and dining venues and options in Dalesford and the region. Um, obviously, the Lake House is is a huge part of what what has made Dalesford what it is today. With, I grew up here, and uh, we came up here, and we wanted to fit into the landscape and the dining scene to complement the other the other um, offerings the the region has to offer something different, something unique, and something that represents us what we stand for and and japan
1: well i want to explore what you are doing then and as you just sort of alluded to you you grew up in the in the region take us back to when you were young what what sort of role did food play in your family
0: growing up in Dalesford, it was a um community built of artistic individuals um food was always a focus in our home and in our family growing up with my mother descend my mother's family descending from Italy and my father's Malta. We obviously had every every kind of family moment t- together. Was was around the table eating some some sort of delicious food that I'd cooked up or my mother had cooked up.
1: Are there any sort of feasts or dishes that you remember um, from that period of time that you can tell us about that remind you of being young?
0: Um, definitely. From my father's side, spending time with my father meant um, getting some raw fish to, to hack up for us to eat with some soy sauce and wasabi. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it sashimi because it certainly wasn't sliced, but um, that was definitely a regular on the table at my father's house. Um, it was unusual amongst my friends to eat raw fish or to eat Japanese cuisine and Chinese cuisine was also a favorite of my father's. Going to my, my grandparents' house meant more traditional Maltese food. We'd go down to the beach and grab um, fresh mussels off the boat, go and collect pippies out of the sand and bring, them, bring the feast back to my grandmother's house for us, for us all to enjoy. Um, at my mother's house, it was more lasagnas and pasta and anything we had in the fridge. Whatever we could kind of scrape up to make a delicious and healthy meal for the evening would do, would do.
1: <laughs> with the uh, heritage that you have, did you have any influence from um, from extended family and
0: grandparents at um, all? Not necessarily on my, on my mother 's side she, she doesn 't have much family, um, so we had we 've got no grandparents or aunties or uncles or cousins from. Only a couple, but they, they live a couple of hours away from that side, so we didn't see them very often. Um, from my father's side, we probably went to my grandparents' house yearly and it definitely, like I can't say it did not influence me. Without a doubt, it influenced me watching my grandmother cook and um, seeing the love and passion she had for cooking her family a fantastic dinner, whether it be Christmas or it be just an evening a standard evening, any evening, um, but it wasn't regular. We didn't see them regularly.
1: With with Maltese grandparents, did they have uh, to grow their own vegetables and, and their own animals? Tell us a little bit about Absolutely.
0: that. Absolutely, so they um, lived on a small plot around probably a thousand square meters in Port Arlington. Um, they had 10 or 15 fruit trees grafted with different citruses growing on the trees. Um, Ducks, chickens, rabbits, prickly pears down the bottom of the property, and yeah, just full gardens, lots of vegetables, beautiful flowers, Um, and everything was pretty much out of the garden. We lived with not much money. They lived with not much money coming, coming from Malta on a boat with no dollars in their pocket. Tell us
1: about your first steps into the industry. What what sort of lured you to a career in hospitality and, and what was it like when you first started? Look,
0: I didn't do well at school. I, I knew from an early stage I wasn't fitting in. I was finding it hard to concentrate. I didn't have much structure in my family home, so I, f- I found uncomfortable in a structured environment. Um, I was just, yeah, destructive, and I guess leaving school understanding I needed a job to to live in this world and I needed to to do something with myself and I was always motivated to do something to be successful of of any not just financially but just successful in myself and my life um so I got a job in hospitality I found I found it comfortable there it seemed like an environment of misfits you didn't need you didn't need to have anything in particular to, to be involved in hospitality, to do well in hospitality. So I jumped I jumped in, I started working at pizza shops, um, cafes, anywhere I could get a job really, working as many hours I could to at that time the focus was to make money, to enjoy my time. Um, and that slowly led throughout the years into a passion, a passion to wanting to be a great chef, um, to treat food with respect to do well and and I ended up focusing my life on cooking and and um, now as it is Japanese, food is, is certainly my focus.
1: Did you have challenges in the first couple of years of sort of managing that balance of um, finding your place and and um, starting to build your career? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I left school at a, at a young age, uh, sorry, yeah, left school at a young age and I also left home at about 15 to to move to Creswick, where my partner was living, seemed like a great thing to do at the time. And a new hotel was opening up, being the Novotel Boris Resort in Creswick, which was very exciting for the local community. They were applying for a lot of, a lot of jobs were, they were looking for a lot of staff. (laughs) So so I went in and um, applied for a job so I could live over that way and enter the industry and at the time in the area that was certainly the best place I knew of Um, I certainly didn't know of any good restaurants or um, fine dining restaurants at that point so moving over there being young, doing all the independent things, going shopping and paying for rent and all those sorts of things were the challenges of the time and, and trying to grow up and emotionally mature as well as mature as a chef was yeah, difficult at times, just um, but it was something that was consistent throughout my life up until now was, was chefing and cooking and hospitality.
1: You spent some time at the press club, uh, George Columbaris' restaurant. Do you have any stories of what that was like?
0: Yeah, so coming from a country town to the big city, moving there, living with an uncle of mine, in the city who was kind enough to let me stay there was, um, it was a crazy time. It was, yeah, young, little, naive boy coming from the country to the city, going to the press club, not really knowing that it was the press club or, or the reputation it held or I knew of George Kalambaras a little bit but not enough to know that he owned the restaurant or is anything, had anything to do with it. I literally went on seek, found the job, went in, applied, had an interview, went straight to the restaurant, had a shift. I was expecting maybe four-hour shift or two-hour shift. I was there for 14 hours. Um, and I was in an environment of committed, motivated individuals that had – their focus was food, their focus was hospitality. Um, and I got – yeah, I got pushed. I busted my ass day in, day out to um, – to be in that environment, to stay in that environment, keep up with what was going on. It was, it was fascinating to me to see food be presented in the way it was and loved the way it was, and so many um, individuals, as the team, the staff members, the, the management, putting in so much of their own personal lives to create an experience for the guests to come in that evening just blew my mind.
1: You spent some time in Queensland as well. What what triggered the move up there?
0: I think moving to Queensland, there there was a few things at play. I I moved up to Queensland about five five different times throughout my career. One, from the career point of view, it was more to do with gaining a better position. I felt at the time Melbourne had fantastic restaurants um, where I could learn a lot. And I would go, I'd, I'd spend my time in Melbourne doing that, honing my skills. And Queensland was a place I felt I could go and focus on management, maybe getting a better position in the kitchen. Um, and from a, on a personal level, I guess I was just trying to find my way, trying to be happy, trying to see what I wanted to do. I, I guess I was just absorbing any information, learning anything I could within hospitality and trying to work out the world at that point in my life.
1: It was while you were in Queensland that you met uh, your partner. Tell us about the impact that that had. I
0: I did. I met Risa at a backpackers actually in in Queensland and it was, yeah, incredible. She introduced me to, as I said, I was super naive. We've been together for nearly 12, just on 12 years and I didn't really know much besides sashimi and what I'd eat, and I didn't know much about the culture of Japan or many other places around the world at that point. And meeting Risa, um, spending time with her, ended up going to Japan and meeting her family and experience the culture and everything Japan has to offer just absolutely blew my mind. It opened up my world. It gave me something to focus on. I understood what I wanted to do quite quickly I, I felt I'd learnt, I'd spent a lot of time learning different areas of cooking, and once I my eyes opened to the Jap- the world of Japanese cuisine, I, I felt that their techniques were the best in the world. I felt the way they approached forming a menu. Um, their restaurants, traditional dining in Japan, for for hundreds of years, has been a focus on a degustation style menu, focusing on the season working with the season um, and presenting the fee- season both in presentation and flavor to the best of your ability for your for your guests. And that was just something that, yeah, I gravitated towards.
1: Take us uh, on one of the trips you went on to Japan. What did you see and experience that had such an impact from, on you?
0: From the beginning, meeting Reese's family, being introduced to her family and involved with her family. We, we couldn't communicate the best. Um, what, the way we communicated, the way we bonded was through food. Uh, it was it was a love that, that we all shared. Um, so her grandfather who grew up, he grew up in an udon noodle shop. He, he introduced me to everything he could. He took us around to old sashimi shops where there's water dripping from the ceiling and a, a cigarette in in their mouth. <laughs> They'd pull a fresh fish out of the tank, kill it, and um, prepare a fantastically beautiful sashimi platter within 15 minutes for us to take home. He um, would take us around to Jersey milk farms and to buy the best Wagyu that we could find to try it. We would Every time we went to Japan, we would, we would spend time in Kagawa. He would take us to Kagawa for the afternoon, where udon noodles originated. And we would find three separate udon noodle shops. They could be hours apart. We'd spend the day driving around to those three shops. Um, they'd usually be in a beautiful setting, like a Japanese garden. And we would have beautiful, traditional udon noodles together, three of the day, and choose which one we liked the best. And drive home. Um,
1: you you spent a bit of time uh, training and understanding Japanese uh, craft and techniques as well. Do
0: you have any stories of of those times? So, on a, I always every time I go to Japan, I'm a little bit selfish in the fact that I I'm there to learn. <laughs> um, that's my priority. So everything I do in Japan, I'm just absorbing everything. I'm setting myself up. To go see um, tofu masters, to to meet with old older the older community. I don't, I don't want to sound rude. Um, to to learn how to make old sukemono, which is traditional Japanese pickles, in different ways. Um, so obviously, one of my trips there, I, I, I went to Japan, and I'd been communicating with with what is my favorite restaurant in the whole world, which is Hajime in Osaka. I was communicating with him for for many months to be able to hopefully work there. And when he finally accepted me to be able to to go in there and train under him, I I spent just under a year of working there and it was it was a whole nother, another nother level of hospitality, a whole nother level of commitment. And, and work <laughs> we worked the earliest day would be a 17 hour day the latest day would be a 19, 20, 21 hour day 5 days one week 6 days the next we would be allowed to have a 20 minute nap um, during our work day and it was just very organized very structured and very focused on, on cooking to perfection um, cutting things to the, to the point, 0.1 millimetre um, cooking things to 0.1 of a degree was was the difference between perfection and not for Hajime and that was, that was something that I understood quite I took on quite well and, and it was fascinating for me to learn When
1: did do you start thinking about uh, your own venue and trying to um, get the, raise the capital to, to create it? I've
0: been thinking about a venue for probably my whole relationship with recess, so probably about 12 years or a little bit more. And that venue's changed (laughs) many times throughout the 12 years, Um, that's for sure. But most recently with with this venue, it was about a few months before COVID. Sorry, I'll go back. When did we start thinking about the (laughs) venue? this particular venue was when we got back from when I got back from Japan after working at Hajime um, I came back with a mind full of ideas I, I'd spent my time over there Risa was in Australia working to fund myself being in Japan um, so I spent my time there I took it seriously when when we weren't working I was at home and I was writing out down ideas um, formulating turn changing my previous ideas and updating them, manipulating them to be a more full vision of what I wanted. Um, so coming back from Hajimez, I was, yeah, I was full of ideas. We were ready to sit down and, and plan. Risa was still, wasn't quite so hundred percent on board, but she'd all always supported me throughout our relationship. She believed in me. She believed in what we wanted to achieve Someday, she just was a bit more of a rational thinker than I. I was just ready to jump on in. Um, so it was probably we spent three to four years saving money for this business, um, managed taking any job we could, getting the highest pay. Well, for me, I was taking any job I could to get the highest pay I possibly could to to save the funds to do this. We ended up at home tightening everything. We had a $50 budget for food. We went through, that was food, shampoo, conditioner. So anything we needed at home, it's $50 a week for the both of us. Um, obviously, we would eat lunch and dinner at work, which was handy. Um, we went through every item, every facet of our life, and then limited it to to ensure we could save Every dollar possible to be able to open a business. Constantly, we were looking in Dalesford. Um, Dalesford was always a place we wanted to open our restaurant. We felt we felt it was not just not just that it was an hour from the city, or or it was um, a foodie region, or somewhere I I grew up, but it felt similar to Japan. the The colour of the green in in the forest in Dalesford feels Similar to my experiences in Japan. We are in a region that is an hour from a city from the city, which is a benefit, but I didn't ever want to open in the city because I felt people are very busy. They have, they have lots of things to do. Their kids are going to school, um, they're rushing around and then they're meant to get out of their car and open our restaurant door and walk in and relax and enjoy our experience. And I find that can be quite difficult if they were to remove themselves from that situation and come to a place like Dalesford and go for a walk in in the beautiful bush or go enjoy the mineral water or have a massage or a spa to then come into our restaurant to absorb what we have to offer, we can create a moment in their life that they'll remember when they go back to work and they're busy. They can they can have that special memory of, of Kadota, which we find... That's very important and very special for us.
1: Well, tell us a bit about Kodota um, and the offering there. Is, is there a, a dish or two you can tell us about that sort of exemplifies your expression of Japanese?
0: Kadota I, I don't think I can tell you a dish that would that would my food the, the menu is what is our focus um, here the menu being a progression of the experience start at the the beginning of the menu we want to give quite subtle flavor a subtle flavor profile if you will um delicate flavors building up throughout the menu to to a clean a clean finish basically so sorry it's hard to describe Um, we obviously start with we have two menus we're running at Kidota, a classic menu and a luxury menu at the moment. Our classic menu seems to focus more on Japan. We're the middle of our course, we always have a, a rice offering of um, Akita Komachi rice from Akita Prefecture in Japan. We, we try to honor rice because rice is something that's very important in Japanese cuisine and, and to Japanese people, good quality rice. So we serve that in a way that you would eat it in Japan. And for us, it's the best way to serve rice because instead of overpowering the rice with other flavors, we are em- empowering the rice <laughs> with the flavors that we're, that we're serving alongside it.
1: With, the, with this progression that you're speaking of through the menu, can you give us an idea of um, what guests might experience from that point on?
0: From that, from that point on the menu starts going a little bit heavier in flavour we start building our flavour profiles um, up into the main course which is, which is the heaviest of flavour profile sorry <laughs> and then we finish off with a, with a clean dessert so our guests don't feel too full or stuffed leaving our restaurant if that makes sense
1: what is it about Japanese food and culture that um, really captures your your attention
0: from the culture point of view it's the um, it's the love of food that they have in Japan a chef is a celebrated um, craft and it's a it's a job that is inspires other people in the community um, the reason that is is because chefs spend their life to cook beautiful food for for their guests. So the whole community respect that. They if you go on a special trip in Japan to another prefecture, you will always bring back a gift and the gift is generally a food item that, that belongs to that prefecture in Japan. So from a community point of view I, I feel it's super food based, it's super hospitality based. There's there's such it's a wonderful, um, inspiring community. They're dedicated to their craft, whatever craft they're in. Um, and from a food point of view, it's totally opposite to what I had done before. It was very light, delicate flavors instead of, um, punchy, bold, layering flavors. They would be very, um, beautiful, delicate, light, fresh, um, trying to treat the product that you have with the most respect to be able to serve it in a way to enhance its own flavor instead of covering the product with flavor, if you understand what I mean.
1: Hmm. It, 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 the property is also much more than just a restaurant. As you mentioned, near the top of the show, you're growing produce as well. Um, what, what sort of things uh, are coming through at the moment?
0: To be honest with you, our pretty much our whole garden has gone to seed. So we've just got heaps of mustard flowers, heaps of rocket flowers, bold flowers. Um, any brassicas or cabbages that we've got going in there have pretty much gone to flower, daikon flowers. Our lemon trees are going fantastically well, but as I said earlier, we're, we're really struggling to, to get our tomatoes going and any fruit happening out of the uh, fruit or vegetables coming out of the garden at the moment. But we play, play that to our advantage, and, and we've got an eggplant dish on at the moment that I'm probably one of my favorite courses at the moment with a roasted eggplant, almond puree, whole grain miso. Dried shiso, a nori, nori puree, and then on top of that, we've just got basically all the all the herbaceous herbs and flowers that that we have in our garden, and a, and a couple that we buy in from Japan. On on the dish, so as you're eating it, you're feeling the season, eating the season, and looking at the season.
1: Well, you're doing amazing things out there in Dalesford food. What do you love about what you do?
0: I I I love being able to dedicate myself and to learn something that I know I will never truly master. I, I love the fact that I, I learn something new every day and I can um, I get inspired by walking down the street or, or by a dish that another chef has done or by a flavor combination that i would tried. I love the fact that I can um, have a career that is so ingrained into my personal life that it's there isn't much separation from from um, my work and my pe- personal life, to be honest. And that suits me really well.
1: Well, Aaron, it's an absolute honor to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a part of your story. Um, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon.
0: Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm so sorry I was so nervous.
1: <laughs> this is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep.